rise above, so below. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernard Beitman, MD. I'm a psychiatrist. I study meaningful coincidences. I think a lot of you know that by now. And I try to figure out uh, categories and explanations, and it's just a lot of fun. Right now, I'm working on, on, on fleshing out the anatomy of meaningful coincidences, meaning all the variables that go into creating a meaningful coincidence, just what it is. Um, but that's for another time. Um, today, I'm going to start off with a story, and we're going to have a little bit of a different play. Um, uh, our guest today is John Townley, um, who's uh, a musician and a resonance kind of guy. I, I mean, resonance kind of guy, uh, and astrological and a lot of other things that I'll tell you about. But what he's going to do first is that he's going to comment on the story that I tell, as I usually do at the beginning of these things. I tell a story. Uh, and remember, if you want to tell your story um, to other people, come to the Coincidence Cafe, which you can uh, sign up for at thecoincidenceproject.net, thecoincidenceproject, all one word, .net, and go to the page that says participate and come to the Coincidence Cafe and start telling your stories and start hearing other people's stories. And uh, You'll be surprised how common they are among this subset of people. But some of you may be telling people stories and they'll say, eh, we're going to try to change that and make coincidences um, recognized as a normal part of regular reality and be able to get people to talk about them as we are encouraging you to do and as I will do with John Townley today. So the story might be titled, uh, A Favor Returned. So a guy named Phoenix um, owed me a favor. Uh, and I needed a bloodstone because someone told me I needed a bloodstone. I was perhaps a spirit guide, said, get a bloodstone. And I didn't know what that was. And several people in several stores did not know what I was talking about. So I just kind of let it go. So one Saturday, I was doing an exercise uh, of just writing down the weird things that I saw in my environment the marketplace was uh, a way of talking about it but people when i'm around other people and i walked the three miles uh, downtown uh, to the downtown mall writing these coincidences or odd events down i was i'm doing it for 49 days i'm right in the middle of it a block from the mall as i decided to go right instead of left for example uh as I'm waiting for uh, the light to change, I look over to see Phoenix about, also about to cross. So he's standing. We're about to cross the street. What? What? What a that's a coincidence when you get two two parts of the thing, two events that cross over, and we had no arrangement to meet each other, uh, and there's no explanation for how we got together, at least conventional explanation. So he's about, he's waiting for the light and I'm waiting for the light. And he says, oh, Dr. Coincidence. He suggests we go to a bar on the mall. And I said, no, I don't think so. Um, he says, how about going to a rock shop? <laughs> I said, ah, a rock shop. 
Well, we went to the rock shop, had a good time, and of course they had a bloodstone. So Phoenix, who owed me a favor, returned the favor uh, in this coincidental way. So I'm asking John, uh, now John Townley, our guest, before I fully introduce him, to tell us his opinion of this story. I would say that uh, between both of you, the bloodstone was in the air, as it were. That's something that you're both sharing and you're both looking looking to happen. And when you you two happen, what's the next thing that's going to be on your mind? There's this floating bloodstone thing that we haven't dealt with. And, and hey, there's a rock shop around. Why don't we look for a bloodstone? Uh, I have a blood-curdling story of seriality about a bloodstone, and I'll tell you sometime, about a bloodstone on a ring that was literally cursed, and I, I have no idea, but it, it goes on forever. Uh, but uh, uh, bloodstones uh, are, have, a, have a reputation of, of considerable intensity and, and even violence, uh, and I can tell you the one I ran into did. Uh, but what I think was happening was, and a lot of, and, and there, there are always phrases for what, uh, for different forms of, of seriality or synchronicity that are already in the language. Like, like I said, something's in the air. Well, if something's in the air, then, then it, it just pops up, you know. Well, uh, what, and what, it, if I, what if I were to tell you that uh, there's nothing that he was thinking about as a bloodstone? Phoenix had nothing of that in his, uh, in his mind. It was just mine. Uh, it was just yours. Uh, yeah, yeah. He had no. The favor uh, he owed me was for something I did for him entirely different. But he didn't. He hadn't heard any bloodstone references no. at all. No, at all. That at I all. know about. That I know about. And oh, he, okay, good. And when gotcha. we went to the rock store, he did not. He was not looking for a bloodstone. I told him I was looking for a bloodstone. Oh well, if you told him he was looking for that, then you go to the rock shop, and there it is. Well, I told him when we got to the rock store oh, I that see, I was yeah. looking for a bloodstone. Right. So he didn't know anything about the bloodstone until we got to the right. rock store. So it was in your air. And, in my air, not his. It was in, yeah, and he wandered into it, and there he was. And he, <laughs> and, and there he was. Well, there's more to it probably from your perspective, but we'll leave that alone for now. Yeah. Um, is, what this illustrates is, is that the stories need to be told clearly enough for the listener to understand the story. John, John, made, John made an assumption that Phoenix also was thinking about a bloodstone. He was not. Right, right. Uh, and what I was thinking about with Phoenix, but not at that time, was that he owed me a favor because I did him one. Right. And, and it was a big favor. So uh, he and a friend, a friend of his and I both agreed it, there should have been some reciprocity. And in this way, it was. But he didn't do any of this on purpose. There was nothing in right. his mind about returning the favor or anything about a bloodstone. Right. But he says, let's go to a rock store that I didn't know existed. And I've been to the mall mm -hmm. a bunch of times. So right. that's, 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 that's how this can get complicated. But let me introduce uh, John Townley more formally. He's a writer uh, and uh, a folk pop musician and a record producer, a maritime preservationist, a theoretical astrology with a broad list of published books and record albums. And that's important in all this because we're going to be talking about resonance and how music 
is so important a representation of how reality works. There's a lot of resonance that's going on in and around us that uh, synchronicity and seriality, which you're going to hear more about, because John is probably, from what I know, the world's expert in seriality, which is, if you read my book, uh, Meaningful Coincidences, you will see that I use the term meaningful coincidences to include four different kinds of coincidences, synchronicity, uh, serendipity, and seriality, which is lesser known, and simulpathity, which means the being able to feel or feeling the pain of a loved one, usually at a distance. So seriality is a key part of the whole meaningful coincidence idea. And our guest today, John Townley, is the full representative of that idea. And he gets it from, uh, from Paul Kammerer, uh, and his uh, seminal 1919 book, uh, Das Gesetz der Series, uh, the, the Law of, seri of Seriality, um, and which introduced the structural concept of seriality. And it was tapped by Jung in his speculation on synchronicity. And Jung does mention uh, Kammer, who came before uh, Jung in writing about synchronicity um, in, in his way. And Paul Kammerer, is important to know, was using the science of his time, which still may apply to now, to try to explain seriality rather than going to uh, more broadly mystical ways of trying to explain. He was a, he was a biologist, Paul Kammerer, and a very interesting guy. And we'll hear more about him, but, but Paul would sit in a, in a park in uh, Vienna and... Um, write down things that he would see in common, like people with the same color umbrella or same kinds of shoes, or he would see people with the same uh, number on a ticket uh, or co connect them. Uh, and there's lots of stories uh, in, in the translation of this book that are pretty basic things that are just objective, which don't have necessarily meaning to them. And we'll talk about seriality and meaning uh, with with uh, our guest today, John Townley. Well, John, welcome to uh, Connecting with Coincidences. Glad to be back talking with you. Delightful. Well, you, we're, we're, we're gonna start with getting people to know you by having you tell a coincidence story yourself. Well, uh, it's, you, you run into a lot of them. Uh, and uh, and you run into a lot of them of all the different kinds that you describe, uh, and some of them are uh, more amazing than others, and some are only maybe maybe seriality and maybe just a phenomenon that is not that well known. Uh, the, the the sympathetic one that you mentioned, for instance, uh, that uh, you had a, an experience of, of of choking when your father died when he was choking and he was far 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 away and it was at exactly the same time that it, that happened uh and that uh sounds like a serial mystery uh i had a similar thing happen with my father uh when i was in new york uh just making my living as a musician at the time uh and uh i had a dream at six o'clock in the morning a very intense dream that i was back in my uh, 
house uh, in, in my bathroom in, in, in Coconut Grove, Florida, uh, and that I suddenly was urinating blood and it upset me like crazy. But then I woke up and I realized, no, you're you're on uh, 10th Street in uh, in Manhattan and you're not there at all. So, so it's OK. But I called my mom that night and, and asked how things were. And she said, well, not that great. Your father woke up at six this morning and went to the bathroom and urinated blood at exactly the same time. So she took down the time as well. Uh, and that sounds sounds like. Uh, uh, a matter of coincidence, uh, some would say, or seriality. Uh, but as we discover uh, more and more incidences of this, uh, we discover that uh, uh, animals, in particularly in close family units, uh, but certainly in species, uh, uh, but particularly. Uh, close family units where they have a, a regular communication with each other will do exactly that. They have communications at long distance in emergencies uh, for for in, in a manner that we don't know how it's communicated yet, but it happens often enough to be a phenomenon, not an accident. Uh, it appears to be an accident to us when and it happens to us by ourselves. And that's so, so much of seriality is because we see something odd happening to our uh, to us. And it's particularly has some strong meaning to us. And we think that's the only time it's ever happened. And we therefore sub say, well, is this a message from God? Is this a, a, a terrible uh, something? Well, that's, that's, that, uh, that, that, John, that's why I that's why I've done the research on this one, because yeah. Because I, I've got data that says yes, uh, this is not an uncommon experience among human beings. You're adding that it happens with other animals as well, and there's other data that's uh, even better than what I have uh, right. from uh, here in Virginia uh, at the from the Division of Perceptual Studies that at the University of Virginia that says the same thing. So this is this is a common uh, experience, and how you experience it, I experienced it literally what my father was experienced and you experienced it in a dream you didn't pee blood i was choking no. and right. it, the, the variations on experiencing mm -hmm. the pain of another one at a, a loved one at a distance uh, are, are are many however they happen uh, yes. they they happen uh, a friend of mine got a, woke up with a deep headache uh, his mother uh, 3 hours away had just hit her head this is not uncommon. And as you say, we think it's messages from God or something else. It's a form of telepathy. Right. Telep telepathy used to mean uh, feeling at a distance, tele-distance pathy feeling. And, sure. uh, and so I made, made up the term simulpathy. And you and I can get into a discussion of the, your definition of seriality and mine, uh, and we'll touch on it a little bit, but for camera, it was all objective things, things that you could see, that two people could see, that a second observer could see the numbers on a ticket or the umbrellas in a park. No one can see you dreaming about your father, about you having a, about you peeing blood. No one can see that. And I call that uh, different um, 
but that's the kind of discussion that our, yeah. our taxonomists yeah. can get into. But I'm uh, seriality now. I mean, as Camerer seemed to suggest, that a third person could see it, and he's an objective scientist, so he wanted to be able to have a third person to be. Uh, well, that that's uh, that's a one way of looking at it as data, but many of his things are are solo things that he personally experienced himself that no one else did. For instance, he he was humming a. a uh, suddenly started humming a a, a, a piece of uh, I forget it was Brahms or something like that, uh, and suddenly through the window comes the very same phrase of someone playing that very tune. Okay, well I, down I, the street, no I one am, else but him and them had that. Uh, now now and, I am now I am educated. Uh, I see what uh, camera. I didn't see that part because I don't think it was in what I was able to read of uh, camera's description. Uh, no, we trans we tra we translated that. So you've got uh, the whole you've got the whole thing. So what what I, what I mean by seriality is what I just said. Yes, I and, I understand. Yeah. And what you mean by seriality is any pairs of anything, or it could be triples. And I like the seriality of like a hundred monkeys uh, or or eleven eleven because they're observable by others. But these are these these definitions. Uh, need to give way to some basic ways of thinking about meaningful coincidences. Right. They are they are overlapping and they're confusing. Serendipity and, some, and synchronicity are also confusing for people. So you, I understand what you mean, but that's let's just leave that for um, for uh, uh, future people. I I have a different way of thinking about things and saying that mm -hmm. um, they all. All coincidences are made up of only two things, mind and object. And you put the three together and you, and you get mind and object. You get mind and mind, telepathy, for example, and you get object, object, which uh, is observable. Each with that series is observable by another person. So right. that, that's my way of breaking it down so we don't get into uh, the, the... Got you. And... and, 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 and... I'm sure there are, 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 particularly as we find out more of supposedly mystic phenomena, which aren't so mystic anymore, as we have enough data and, and we develop tools that will be able to measure them, which we are, are doing now, uh, is that we'll be able to break them down even more. Uh, Kammerer, with the science of his time, uh, projected seriality is something that was basically encompassed them all. Uh, anytime you had an odd set of things occurring together, whether somebody saw it or not, uh, whether somebody experienced or, it or not, that was a phenomenon of seriality. And the reason he proposes that is that he looks at reality as basically sets of information that have uh, uh, that have laws that are somewhat similar to the kind of laws that were being drawn up during the 19th century, uh, and and in the second part of his book, he discusses at length many other scientists' uh, development of stuff of, of Faraday's stuff, of, of Maxwell's stuff, of, of Bozeman's stuff, uh, as to why all of these things would fit into. Uh, the idea that uh, reality is made up of uh, really information, 
uh, in, you know, when it comes to the very to the very background of it all, uh, and that there were certain laws of attraction and imitation uh, that caused uh, information to suddenly double up in odd ways uh, that 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 sometimes you notice, and when you do, you say, "My goodness, how'd that happen?" Uh, and when you don't notice, it'll pass you right by, and you didn't even, didn't even know. The idea, uh, the idea that the universe is information is getting very popular these days. It as, is, as it, you well know. And, yeah, and, and it it may be different levels of, um, I'll, I'll call it a uh, density uh, of of information. That the more dense information becomes, something that we are now able to have bodies within. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, I, and it, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, it it's the density and 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 it's the the receiver as well, uh, and the receiver and the the training of the perception of the receiver uh, as to whether something uh, is the same, uh, startlingly the same, or doesn't seem to be related at all. Uh, and uh, and it, it, well, that's that's such an important idea, uh, John, in uh, looking at uh, meaningful coincidences. The perceiver, the subjective experience of similarity between two events, is some something that has to be continually examined to measure, and it's possible to measure uh, the analogical similarity of two events. So my father choking, you, your um, dream of bleeding are pretty much the same thing, almost the same thing as what right. each of our fathers was experiencing. But some people make connections between things that other people wouldn't say are similar. Yeah, and that has to do with their own background as to what they thought they think is similar to begin with. In other words, the receiver, a radio receives certain frequencies and not others. Uh, and, uh, and, and in fact, it receives certain frequencies if, if, uh, according to whether it's wavelengths uh, whether the information in those wavelengths is uh, uh, modulated, you know, uh, in order to 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 reproduce a, a sound uh, when it's put through an amplifier, it can be modulated by how loud that fre frequency is made, or it can be uh, uh, how uh, how slow and how fast that frequency is made. And that's the difference between. Uh, AM and FM radio, uh, amplitude modification and frequency modification, uh, and that's how. And 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 the receiver is a little crystal that tunes into. In other words, uh, w when it gets a particular wavelength coming in, it's it starts to vibrate along that wavelength and only that wavelength, and that's called uh, uh, entrainment which is something Christian Huygens discovered way back in the 1600s uh, when he discovered the pendulums uh, of clocks uh, synchronizing up, uh, that there are certain things that will vibrate at only certain frequencies. And we, as animals, uh, recognize selectively certain frequencies that we can hear and we associate with patterns uh, that sometimes are very much the same, uh, and sometimes uh, we wouldn't even recognize that it's the same. A, a really good example, uh, it does come from music, 
uh, and it has to do with scale, things that uh, uh, happen on a really big scale, uh, we don't notice so much. And things that happen on a really tiny scale, we can't see them. So we don't notice them that much. We didn't. We notice things that happen on our own scale. I move my hand back and forth like that. And you notice my hands moving back and forth like that. But if I did it fast enough, all you get is a blur. Don't see a hand anymore. Uh, and that's because it's going into another scale, uh, another, another, another set, just like uh, we hear tones in certain frequencies uh, and we don't, but we don't hear microwaves. We can feel microwaves, though they may be near the same frequencies that we're hearing. And how uh, does this relate to to meaningful coincidences? Uh, well, uh, uh, it, 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 it has to do with whether you know things uh, that are happening, that are, uh, in fact, very meaningful. But but to go back to the, the, the final example, uh, everybody knows, but they don't know that they know it, uh, is uh, in beats per second. Everybody knows if they've taken any music that, you know, like uh, 60 to 72 beats, and that's on Dante. That's like a strolling, like that, right? Uh, and you go faster and faster and faster, and pretty soon you hurry up and you're rushing along. Uh, and, uh, and and after a certain point, you get up to 120, 240 beats per per minute, and and you're just falling all, all over yourself. And pretty soon that becomes a just a sort of a blur of, of uh, sort of a scratchy, uh, ratchety kind of sound until you get up to like 60 beats per second, and that's a low bass tone. And and you double that to 120 seconds, to, to 120, and then 240, and suddenly you're in middle C. Right. And now, that, now that's this is a musical lesson that's uh, made it's somewhat beyond me, even though I I, I like dance, and I'm trying to see uh, how well, it, it, it relates it, it, to meaningful coincidences. Uh, it relates to meaningful coincidence because uh, you think you're hearing one thing. And another thing discreetly when you're actually hearing the same thing at a different scale. Uh, so you may be picking up stuff uh, that's uh, from other people, just uh, telepathically, uh, that's not tuned to your frequencies uh, as the frequencies of your family are. After a certain amount, everybody gets tuned in there. And, and that that's entrainment. You get entrained in whatever. Let, let's, let's stop with the entrainment for a second. It's so, so important. Uh, the, the recognition that the pendulums of clocks started swinging uh, at the same, in the same way that they started off disjointed and then yeah. they started doing it together. Right. That, that, that's a that's an important observation. Uh, you can I've seen a video of it recently uh, of the same thing. How does that entrainment happen with pendulums of a clock? Uh, through the wood that they're sitting on. Uh, it's a very it's actually very simple. Uh, if they were if they were clocks in a vacuum, it wouldn't happen. Uh, and uh, there has to be some kind of mechanism that transfer some kind of waveform to the next clock, to the next clock. And whoever's got the loudest one 
the big clocks and train the small ones. Uh, whoever's got the loudest ones, the other ones eventually wind up getting in. Just at, and, and this is the same principle uh, that uh, causes the, uh, we call it, uh, we try, try to, to dismiss it as tidal forces uh, when we see it uh, celestially. And that's why the moon sinks, one side of the moon faces us because we have entrained the moon's rotation to our own rotation. Uh, uh, so it always faces us. Uh, it didn't always face us. It, it was, had its own rotation when it started. And eventually our rotation uh, it was so dominant uh, that it eventually locked it in. Mercury well, can, is the same way. I can, I can see that with the, with the clocks on the, on the wood. And the wood uh, conveys the uh, vibrational power of the right. biggest clock to the rest of them. It reminds me of Donald Trump in training people who uh, who follow him. There's something about that we might get to. But how? What's the connect? What's the wood analog between the moon and the earth? It's uh, in the, in the case of the wood, it's physical vibrations through the wood. Yeah. Down through one clock, down from one clock to the next clock, and across the board because they were all sitting on the same. Originally, the Huygens experiment was done, and they were all sitting on the same shelf. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, uh, but we're what we're experiencing here with the moon or with any planetary situation. This is why why astrology comes into it, and why astrology may be something that is much more important than we think it is. Why? What uh, is more? It, why, what? What is astrology? astrology. Uh, because because as as the moon goes around, what we're experiencing as we get closer and farther away from any planet that's going around us. There's a pulse of gravity. Gravity gets stronger. Gravity gets less. Gravity gets closer together. There's this, there's stronger pull, farther apart, less pull. That becomes a waveform, back yeah. and forth, back yeah. and forth, yeah. and that's what eventually puts puts put all of the planets that we have now into one form of resonance of of each other's orbits, uh, because they they nudge each other until they get to a comfortable place where everything locks in uh and that's that entrainment is one of the words for it tidal forces is another uh and what? and it's simple it's in, instead of the instead of the uh sound motion through wood or through air you can get it through air or through microwaves as chris as does with crystals uh it's it's through the pulse of gravity the distance of gravity when, when, when as we pass jupiter for instance we, you know, we pass Jupiter 12 times on Jupiter going real slow and we're going around like this, right? Well, every time we get close to Jupiter, it pulls us right out, 100,000 kilometers out of our orbit, you know, and, and we pull back away from that. So there's like a pulse that's going like that every 12 years. And it's from Jupiter and the Earth's alignment. Uh, and eventually, uh, uh, in, in the case of something that's close to Jupiter, like its moons and so on, uh, it, that that pulse becomes so strong that uh, it, it it locks in whatever the heaviest side is of the of the body uh, to the heavier piece, and they become uh, so locked the, in. So Earth has been entrained by Jupiter, and so uh, we... yeah, and and as has everything else, Jupiter is the main entrainer, uh, and uh, uh, and every most everything is a. a uh, a harmonic uh, of uh, 
uh, are close to it, not exact, because we're still settling in after all these billions of years, uh, but close enough so that they don't throw each other out. Their early system, uh, these well, planets would get be so close that there'd be too much gravity and one of them would get kicked right out. Uh, okay. And now they've settled in. So like a, a Uranus and Neptune, for instance, is they're, they're octaves of each other, one half. They're one orbit now, before, the other. before you get that far out and your uranus is, yeah. a far, is on a far out place i you've mentioned a few things that have to be clarified first i asked yeah. you about the moon being entrained by the earth that's something that right that I, I think our audience can understand jupiter and uranus get a little more complicated and i okay. we got to we got to keep this so at least I understand it, and hopefully that'll make sure. other people okay. more able to understand it. So this, you know, have a lot of information, but the, one of the most amazing things to us Earth observers is that the moon has its same face to us. Uh, right. For some, uh, some see the man in the moon, some see a rabbit in the moon, uh, but it's the same face. And as the moon goes around, it gives us the same face all the time and right. then there's the dark side of the moon so mm -hmm. people have made up a lot of stories about what's going on on the other side of the moon and why right. how, how did it happen that way but this mm -hmm. harmonics uh and entrainment thing uh it, it is a way to be able to understand how right. that happens and so let's not let's not go out to jupiter yet let's okay. go, let's let's stay here with the, the moon that we can see and there's right. something about the earth and training the moon so that the moon maybe at one time was spinning and it is spinning it's just spinning at the same rate we rotate what we did was lock it lock in its spin to ours we entrained its spin in other words if 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 if, if it were staying still yeah, we, we, we would see we see yeah. one side and then we see the other right yeah, yeah. but it's not it as as it goes around it keeps facing one side to us. So it's spinning and we're spinning. And what's happened is, is basically the heaviest part of the moon, uh, which has a strong gravitation, uh, it, it keeps pulling back. Originally, it would go a little bit further and then it would get tugged back a little bit, a little bit further, tugged back a little bit, and eventually it just locked in. Uh, uh, and and that's, that's, that's how it happened. At least that's the, the standard astronomical uh, description of how uh, well, I mean just, just to keep it here on for us earthlings to understand what's going on with the face of the moon uh, being entrained it still turns but it turns with us it reminds right. reminds me of uh, being able to find someone to dance with uh, and so that after, it's kind of hard to dance with somebody right from the beginning sometimes not uh, but then you if you do it often enough, you start getting entrained with each other. And I don't know who does Absolutely. the- Absolutely. I don't Absolutely. know who does- Good, good example. Excellent uh, example. Well, I don't know who does the entraining with the two people, but it's usually, it would be the one who's heaviest somehow, or who has the strongest energy field, I guess, when trains yes, one yeah. with the other. Uh, and it's similar. Another example uh, is the, the dominant uh, among uh, a test that's been done so many times now. Uh, another example of entrainment is uh, 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 women's menstrual cycles. Uh, the dominant female in a group 
uh, all their menstrual, everybody else's menstrual cycles will, will wind up timing to her. And how does that happen? And that happens through the exchange of hormones in the air uh, until they keep nudging each other and nudging each other. And eventually they get in tune with each other. Uh, and, and, the, and the one they get in tune with uh, is the one who is the dominant, uh, uh, has the, the most dominant presence. And now that dominant presence in some cases can be gravitational, in some cases it can be hormonal, in some cases it, it could be any number of things. This is what Cameron was at the heart of what Cameron was trying to say, uh, is that uh, you have uh, 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 both attraction to things, which is like gra gravity, you have imitation of things where things that are attracted start to imitate each other's motions. And then you have something he called persistence, which is just like inertia, is that once they get that way, they tend to stay that way. And it's very hard to get them out of that. Uh, uh, and that that's one of the basis of how not just, you know, came Einstein and everything branched off. Uh, and camera was the, at that point. What were the three things you just mentioned? Uh, his three, which he called hypotheses, was the 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 attraction hypothesis, which is things that are similar come tend to come together, and the things tend to come together in general. Uh, the imitation hypothesis, which is that they tend to start to resemble more. Uh, I mean, even down to people resembling their dogs, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, and that they come to look much more like each other. And then as they begin to work as a system, uh, then they achieve, because of this interlock, a, a persistence that keeps that system itself. And, and, he, and he treats persistence as if it were like a quality or a force unto itself, uh, which keeps, you know, it keeps old corporations going when they shouldn't be. Uh, it keeps old people's ways of thinking going when it shouldn't be, because the, these are systems that have set, set themselves up and they got so locked into each yeah, other. That's, a, that's another inertia, uh, kinetic inertia yeah, is the same exactly. idea. Yeah, um, his is a reworking of, gra of, of gravitational inertia which at that time, and still today, nobody knows what inertia is. Uh, 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 well, let's leave that one alone. It, it, it yeah. just We're just going to mean that per persistence is another good name for it. It just keeps going in the same yeah, direction. It's, and, exactly. And it's, it's, it's a universalization of it, uh, it, it into information. Whereas uh, inertia previously was thought as only a physical thing. That's good. Uh, okay, and, so. you know, er er Ernst Mach said, and we still have only hit, that's as far as we have gotten yet, it is the force, the influence of all of everything in the universe upon any one thing. And that is what inertia is. That was Mach's definition, and it's still a definition physically. Well, let's just, let's just say persistence is a, we'll just stay with persistence because and, and the energy thing and imitation. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's the first thing again? Uh, imitation, attraction. Attraction. And we can yeah. attract those are, and I, because I, I like to dance, really love to dance sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, to, that's an analogy that will get to you, you as a musician, what, what your guitar does to an audience is entrainment also. And what we're gonna, what we're 
talking about here at dance is that people in a group that I'm part of start off kind of like the pendulums um, yeah. doing their own thing. But after a while, there's something that comes together as yeah, they're all they, dancing. And it's hard be, to it's hard to measure that. But let's let's uh, it, it, let's just do the simple version of of dancing with someone. And let's apply the uh, ideas, the three, the three principles that you just described. Attraction. Mm -hmm. I mean, some there's certain literal attraction. People mm -hmm. just like the idea of the other person, where they look, the way they dance. Mm -hmm. So they come together. Uh, right. Like, so, like in at our place, if uh, if somebody smiles at me, uh, that means maybe uh, that she's open to dancing with me, which is what happened right. the other day. Mm -hmm. So right. there's attraction. And I thought she was attractive again in the standard kind of way. Right. So there's there's that kind of attraction, but there's also mm -hmm. uh, other forms of attraction between people. And mm -hmm. I wonder if you might comment on what else there is. Uh, well, there's all kinds of attraction between people for evolutionary reasons and for political reasons and uh it, it, it's a host of them uh but i think they all go by the same set of principles attraction means there's something in that other person that's going to other person or other body or other system of politics or whatever systems you're using we're all systems we're all a bunch of different things co uh correlated uh which any animal is any corporation is any country is uh, other, uh, and 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 you see a certain amount of attraction, and then when you get them together, then they have to begin to imitate each other a bit in order to keep going, so that they, you know, you smooth out the edges, as it were. You and what you happen, what happens then is actually a form of what we call entrainment, uh, or mode locking is another term for it. If you look one. Google well, that. let's just stay with the simple words yeah. like imitation. Uh, yeah, imitation. Uh, so Im imitation. you're imitating. Because, I mean, you've got, you're a smart guy. You got a lot of words for stuff. Uh, and let's just use the simple words uh, of, of attraction and mm -hmm. imitation right. so that you're attracted and you start imitating each right. other. Right. Uh, and following which is persistence. You keep going and it tends to keep itself going. And you don't want to stop dancing. Yeah, the more you do it, the long, the better it gets, and the longer it lasts until you fall down on your face. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's funny to watch people dancing. There's some people who pers are persistent in dancing with each other week after week. Mm -hmm, uh, sure. and, and there are many times when people are not persistent. Uh, and maybe it's because they don't do the imitation part very well with each other, where they can like uh, lock into each other through imitation. And who's imitating who becomes part of the question. It's the dominant one who's uh, then causes the less dominant one to imitate, as I understand it. Yeah, and also it has to do with the, the, the talents involved. I mean, can you do it backwards in high heels, to quote uh, a very famous uh, dancer. Uh, and uh, if you can and you've found the person you can do that with, then you're going to be a great pair. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so, so it, I still, I'm still trying to figure out 
on the dance floor right? <laughs> about about dominance like uh, the one who's the better dancer will be a dominant one for example yes. and then the then the lesser dominant one has to try to imitate and if the lesser one can't imitate then it's there's no not going to be any persistence right yeah you've got you've got a very nice combination of cameras concepts right happening there at a very human level, which and, I think and that's, and that's, I'm just yeah. I'm just a human guy trying to understand nicely this stuff. done. And that's uh, okay. So we're right there with it. So right. So we, and, and this these basic ideas of attraction and its various forms and uh, imitation in its various ways. It's simpler to understand that and persistent, easy to gr grasp that one. How does how do those ideas? apply to meaningful coincidences? Well, it, I suppose it depends on the meaning, the, the meaningful coincidence and what you're bringing to it. Uh, if you, uh, well, I'm trying to if, think well, of, Just take, take, if you want to take Jung's example with the scarab, uh, yeah. which most people know, right, uh, and right. to, to summarize it anyway, Jung was dealing Jung was dealing with a patient who wouldn't listen right. to him, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was too rational. He wanted to get her to be mm -hmm. more intuitive. And right. she brought in a dream about uh, a piece of jewelry with a scarab, a uh, golden mm -hmm. piece of jewelry with a scarab uh, beetle mm -hmm. on it. And uh, Jung went to the window um, and got a beetle that was knocking on the window. And uh, it looked like the beetle that the woman was right. talking about, the Egyptian scarab. And he said, right. here's your beetle. So let's let's do that story um, in, turn, in camera All terms. Right. All right. Two, two, two things of that uh, is, is opportunity. And as you point out, you, if you don't provide yourself with a lot of opportunities, you're not going to have a lot of synchronicities because it takes more information. If you have no information, you're not going to have matching information. Uh, and in this case, uh, uh, I, to go back to, literally to the skeptical level, uh, if that bug hadn't been on that window right then, we never would have heard this story. We would have heard some other one where there was a bug on the window. Uh, and, uh, but bugs were in the air at that moment and, 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 uh, the conversation was going that way and there it is, just bring it right in. And, 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 and it seems so magical I and mean, that's almost to the point of sleight of hand, uh, that, uh, the, this becomes a magical moment and beginnings of a philosophy when in fact it is a manifestation of, uh, you know, when, when you say it was in the air, yeah, the bug was in the air. Uh, and, and he picked it out and, and blew her mind, uh, probably more than it blew his mind, except that he didn't realize what a clever opportunist he was being at that time as well. Uh, and there are many times when it doesn't happen. See, we hear the tales, and this is something that uh, we have yeah, to remember. We, we hear I, we hear the tales. We hear the tales. We hear the tales where it worked. They were we're selective, and let's not do that one because we know that one. But let's let's do attraction, uh, imitation, and persistence here. Right. Well, with uh, uh, in the in the case of 
of a of a, a attraction you what you already had going on there for instance was a dance they were already dancing uh and he was trying to get her in tune with it uh and uh and when you're dancing, if you make a little move this way and it doesn't work that way, and finally, if you oh, if you put your hand up there and then swing, then it works perfectly. And what you've done, you're trying a few things here and a few things there until 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 you get it to sing. Well, he was trying a few things here, a few things there, and and as as we're swinging around, not quite making it, someone mentions mentions Golden Scarab, and out the corner of the eye says. Well, what do you know? Uh, I'll try. I'll bring that one in, and that locked it up like that. Uh, if so it that, was the wrong, that, if it, was that imitation then? That wasn't. Yeah, that was that was imitation. That that, that was something that was similar in the in the atmosphere pulling in. You know, in he, other he, words, at, bugs were in the air mentally and physically, uh, and they got put together. The attract the, the attractiveness was was what um, the uh, in this before we got to the imitation the attractiveness Jung was trying to get her to be in sync with him and right. he so he was like uh, the earth and she was like the moon he, right and he, she, was, he was trying, trying this tugging her this way wouldn't do it tugging her that way wouldn't do it wouldn't do it uh, and, and and finally. Uh, and there was a little theme going on about the scarab thing. Uh, and if there hadn't been a bug, uh, chances are he would have found something else or he would have given up uh, and, and decided the stance was not going to work. But lo and behold, uh, in, in, in the general information set, because bugs is bugs, and they have their own information set, whether they're mental or physical. Uh, there it was. Wisely, he pulled it in, and he closed the deal. Okay. Uh, well, and, and, then, and, and after then, he has persistence. Then persistence, yeah. Because then, yeah. without saying it, then they had persistence. They they continued to go. Uh, right. So you know, and, just, and they can throw away other things. That's been such a big one. That they can throw away some of the things that they disagreed with, as dancers will do, uh, and say, "Well, I'll go along with your move, even though that might not have been mine, because you you proved that you're the dancer that uh, that that you know you're going the direction. I guess I think I'd like to go." Okay, uh, okay. that it it's a little bit abstract here for us, um, but these are these are useful principles. Trying to be able to apply uh, something descriptive to meaningful coincidences. And as you clearly have talked about, um, that the, the concept of meaningful is subjective to a, some degree, um, that, that the, the two bugs looked similar, the one in her dream and the one from the window, uh, that, that's an objective, potentially objective description that Cameron could describe uh, very similar to some of the things he described, that they're similar, like your peeing dream and your father dreaming that was in one mind and then can't come from the outside to match. So that the similarity there would be um, pretty clear to an outside observer, I think. 
Yeah, uh, and uh, when you're doing counseling of any sort, and astrologers, uh, if they're good ones, it's too much of a, a long tale to get into why astrology physically might work. But but what, what astrologers often serve as is as counselors yeah. using pl planetary symbols to uh to lock onto some, what they're feeling somebody's going for and uh elaborate on that symbol to give a, that, that the client uh, a better feeling of where you might take that this kind of energy or that kind of energy uh and uh you I, can i think you're saying there's an intuitive read that the astrologer has to do of the other person exactly there's an absolute intuitive read and a good astrologer uh, and, and this is one of the things that uh, uh, allows people to dismiss astrology is because an astrologer isn't even a very good one and can't even read a chart very well, can still do a great reading if they're really intuitive. Uh, and in fact, someone who isn't an astrologer at all, they can put their hand on a piece of paper that's got a horoscope on it and do a great reading. And a gypsy can do a great reading even though they got nothing going because they know how to read the person uh, and they know what to pull in that's going to make the person a little bit more understanding of where they want them to go. Uh, and that comes to the point, uh, you know, skeptics will say that's manipulation or sleight of hand. Uh, other people will say it's simply getting together to make a better understanding uh and utilizing whatever tools you have uh, uh at the moment uh, Astro astrology is a, a form of coincidence and my way of thinking and i think probably yours a correlation between up, upstairs and downstairs or as above so below but so also so below as above uh and i i wonder what what that you could elaborate on the term the crossroads of coincidence uh, it's, great, it's a great phrase. Uh, I've got a dot com on it because that's, that was my hopeful title for a, a story about camera, a film story about camera. Uh, and basically, uh, when one coincidence comes upon another, uh, when they're actually crossing, say you have one big coincidence and that leads you to another big coincidence. And this is, is actually, and I'm sure you know, I know you noted it uh, in your writing, uh, is that coincidences will tend to cluster uh, in the same way that even random number rolls will cluster. Uh, but they seem to do it a little bit more so than a simple uh, random roll. And that's, that's why, as the camera suggests, one of the areas of better understanding of seriality would be, would be in gambling because you know how long the roll is going to last. Uh, a good gambler knows when he's on a roll, uh, and he knows when the roll is going to end, uh, and he cuts his losses before it starts to turn bad. And a good one, it never turns bad. And they say, God, this guy's a winner. You know, he never loses. And it's because he can feel, you know, he's got, he's got, you know, he had the number down three, four times in a roll, and you know the fifth time is not going to happen, and he, and he bows out. Uh, uh, on, the, on the other hand, uh, he won't go in if he sees that there's no pattern happening. He's looking what, around for a pattern. What, 
what what do you think creates uh, a coincidence role like that? I think that if everything is made up of sets of communication, you have a resonance from from however small the smaller particles are to to the larger uh, stepwise steps upward, uh, and you get a resonance uh, at least for uh, in our ability to see, which we evolutionarily get only enough to get us through and not more, uh, we are able to sense them and we can say, oh, well, there, this, this looks like we're, we're onto something, let's follow it. And then you get an immediate feeling when it's not gonna happen. And it's, and, and, and it's because information makes up the reality itself. In other words, if you're just saying, oh, well, uh, in one language, it would be one name and another language would be another. So how can, uh, how could they turn up? They're not related. They're related by their meaning in their inner core because they're the same phenomenon uh, and a different word will, in different languages will describe it. But people, although they are filtered by their language, what they're trying to get at is the meaning inside the language. And that's where the information is rolling around. Uh, and the more intuitive you are, the more you can get past the language and more you can talk to the person itself. I remember being, being isolated uh, in, in, uh, uh, in Poland one time. Uh, when I was performing over there, and I didn't speak much Polish, uh, and they got tired of translating for me, and I wound up in a room with a one-year-old, actually, it was just about a one-and-a-half, two-year-old, just before language, kid, only two in the room, and I got more communication out of him than I got in that whole room full of people talking Polish, because we, when we talked, we talked at a level that wasn't verbal yet, quite. Uh, and and so you know, we could have a nice a, sort of a, a, a proto conversation in a way that I would have been lost in the room next door where everybody's speaking elaborate Polish. But what does that have to English. do with what does that have to do with clustering, John? Uh, it 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 it's. It, it, it shows that the inner information that you're trying to get across uh, is, is is substantial itself, uh, and like it's wrapped around it, which is language and individual experience. Uh, it's still connected to, to that central thing that you're trying to get across, and therefore any language that uh, or events that are central to that are going to tend to revolve around it. So you see the same word come up more, more and more times if you're trying to get the same thing across, uh, even though you don't realize you're trying to get the same thing across because it, the proto information that's in it's there. still in the middle of it. And it's still and, in the middle and, of it. And that's, and that's what clustering seems to be is the, the clusters of synchronicities or therialities are pointing towards a, a proto something or other in the uh, middle of it. That's, that's, what, the that's what you're trying to say. And that's the attraction. Hypothesis. And that's the attraction. 
And yeah. what's the, how does this crossroads of coincidence relate to being in the flow? Because one of the things that people notice is that when they're in the flow, they tend to be, they tend to see more uh, meaningful coincidences. Uh, because one, it's like they're not, I guess it's because you start ignoring the outer stuff and you start looking for the inner groove, if you want to say it musically, uh, and you let that pull you along and therefore it's going to pull any pieces that are related to it together and they'll just be there because so you're it, already, it's you're so already there. It's so important what you say here, and we're coming to the end of our, our conversation. The, there is a tendency to people to think cause and effect, but there's a reciprocal relationship between right. experiencing a, a synchronicity, a meaningful coincidence, and then noticing that you do it. And then, then somehow you notice that, that starts getting you closer to the groove. And then right. the more you notice there's a coincidence, the more you, you let yourself you, go. You you let you let yourself go into the groove. And that's right. That's that's where the old word groovy mm. uh, probably came from. Right. Yeah. And, you'll, get, and you'll and you'll you'll and you'll and you'll find that there are people as well. Again, I think you discover this that, that you'll run into people where it happens that that the, the moment you run into them, you start seeing synchronicities all all over the place. And it's because Basically, they're a little more in tune than you are, probably. Well, uh, I, I, I thanks, thanks for that, John, because sometimes uh, that happens for people when they get around me. They start yeah. seeing, they start seeing more coincidences, and I, sure. and I call that I, I'm sprinkling the fairy dust of uh, meaningful yeah. coincidences around. But this gives me a little better way of thinking about it because I'm in the synchronicity groove uh, more and more, actually, as I do right. this. So that's mm -hmm. going to increase the likelihood that other people coming into my sphere are going to get right. closer to the, their own groove that's like the one I'm in. Right, which also go back to the moon and, and, and it also make, it makes you, as things join that uh, overall system that you've made yourself a, a, a kernel of, uh, that has more gravitation to it, pulls more things into it, synchronizes and 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 and, and entrains more other things to come into it, and oh. it becomes an increasingly more, more persistent body itself. And, and that, that seems to be what's happening. And I've wondered about it because when the Coincidence Project be, became officially a nonprofit, a thousand dollars showed up in my mailbox. Yeah. From where? Uh, and then, then the person I contacted that person gave us twenty five thousand, right. which mm -hmm. which was a great start for us just right. beginning. Then uh, uh, a person who was editing something on our uh, editing stories people send to our Coincidence Project website, people are invited right. to send their their stories there. That we needed an editor to fine tune those. The editor quit two days later. Somebody else emails me who's even right. a better editor, has more to contribute. Sure. Right. And then I'm I need I need medical synchronicity stories because I want to give a talk about that. And then somebody emails me medical synchronicity stories. 
So it's, mm -hmm. it means from what you're saying that the groove that I am in is getting what wider, stronger, the attraction is getting stronger. So it's, that it's, it's actually accruing, accruing mass. If you were to say it in a physical fast, fashion. a what? Accruing, accruing, in. yeah, accruing, accruing mass. Yeah. So I'm becoming a, a gravitational center right. in a way. Um, yeah, in other words, a bunch of asteroids get together and they're getting a little small planet. More asteroids join, it's a larger planet. And pretty soon that planet's so big it gets a moon and so on and so forth. You know, uh, that's that's the normal process of things. And what Kammer tried to do, and, and this is where uh, he made this, he was taking it. He started with just looking around. Like you, you're walking downtown, you're seeing all the things. You're doing what Kammerer was doing sort of at the end of, the, uh, or at the side road, where he, at least he said he started, but he didn't. He started much earlier than that, doing this very kind of stuff in music, because uh, he, he began as a musician and became a biologist, you know, uh, and a very fine musician. He wrote some great songs, by the way. Uh, but uh, he, he, without having the, uh, the spin-off that soon became relativity and quantum theory, which got people off really off base in, in many ways. He was still dealing with electromagnetism, which was new, uh, uh, thermodynamics, which was new. And he was saying there's a kernel in all of these that are the same thing. Uh, and they are the kernel of everyday life as well when you're looking at everyday life at that scale. And when you take it to onto a smaller scale, you're gonna see something similar it won't look that similar until you look more closely and say, oh, it's actually just another set of rhythms, the same thing. But you don't see it because you're not, you don't have the equipment to see it necessarily. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and he made it as a generalization, a sweeping one saying this is how reality works. And that's what Wheeler is kind of going back to that, uh, except he's trying to reduce it to bits because he likes computers. But uh, oh, in wait, fact, before I we think, get into Wheeler, we're not talking about Wheeler today. No, we're but talking it, about camera, not talking about bits, we're talking about analog. Wait, it's resonance. Well, you started to make a lot of sense to me right then as you were. It's resonance. Uh, and resonance is, is fundamental to it. And uh, you said something about, uh, about me and camera that I'm going down a side street uh, from what he was from what he was. Well, doing. He, he, he starts off with. I'm sitting down here and I see a man with a with a, uh, a Tyrolean hat and I see a man with an umbrella and a, and a vest and I see one with one and two, but not the other and so on and so forth. And he began to make a system, Linnaean kind of system out of all these. And then he would see subsets where, where they branch off and you'd see two of one and three of another. And then they would come back and, and unite. And he was trying to use the uh, uh, that way of organizing things to see if just it, regular it got, every... it, it got pretty complicated uh to all those uh, it, different yeah the the, the the trying to categorize things i'm trying to categorize things too and i'm going to ask you one more time john uh, sure because, and hope you don't go running off into something like linnaeus uh, uh I'll, I'll organization let's see you said i'm going you me me right here yeah. see yeah, bernie right. right here i'm like going down a side street and I'm feeling like I'm uh, becoming an attractor uh, in a groove that is 
making things happen that are hard to explain in can in even uh, synchronicity terms where people right. are coming to me with things that the coincidence project needs and yes you're, and you're already yeah, you're already doing that what i meant by the side street is what you mentioned earlier today you say you were walking down the street and you were collecting a little bits and pieces as you went yeah. into town yeah. uh cameras cameras began his uh, theory that's what doing, camera doing that. was doing yeah yeah okay well he started make... there and then he generalized it from there and he, and he spent many many years doing this uh yeah. and, that's, and that's during a, that's a very good point that uh, i'm doing still now i'm doing this for 49 days is writing down it's just what camera was doing and that's right. uh and that's uh that that, I, I, that, that is great that that I understand, and it's a good exercise for anybody to do, because it, it tunes you in to your environment. You start looking right. for the similarities Precise. that exist out there. Precise. So it's yeah. it's a very good exercise to do. Yeah. I appreciate right. your your um, connecting camera and me in that way because I hadn't thought of that. And what I'm what I'm looking for because I've got a uh, I'm writing a paper with three instances of out of the blue things coming when I needed them as a representative of the coincidence project. And mm -hmm. I, that's what I was asking about, that I'm getting into a groove so that that I become an attractor. Uh, and the, the word attractor is used in a different way, uh, something, a basic attractor or something. But there's yeah, something- That's, that's just in, in chaos theory. In chaos theory. There's something right. about the attractors that you, we're talking about here that's similar to the attractor in chaos theory. Right. Yes. There's a, like I'm becoming an attractor as I become more deeply involved with this coincidence thing. And as people right. read yeah. my book and come to my podcast, I become this thing that is vibrating uh, like uh, right. the gravitational field, to use the earth analogy, is getting mm -hmm. stronger. So that's right. in training people around me in some and people I don't know to right. uh, to start creating meaningful coincidences mm -hmm. with me. Right. So how would you explain that happening in the terms that you understand? Well, I think that's the way things happen in all reality, physical reality, electronic reality. Uh, I think, and, and that's what Cameron was trying to express. Uh, is that's, and, and he was making it a uh, a set of universal principles. There's a set uh, of universal principles where something becomes, in this case, a bigger and bigger attractor. And one of the right. ways that I see that. Uh, is on the dance floor again. Mm -hmm. uh, the other day I was doing uh, a dance with my eyes closed, different from my, what I'd usually been doing. And I looked up at when I'm getting to the end of it and there were certain people who are very good dancers who were near me, who usually yeah. are not near me. So I, I'm, I was thinking that I was doing something that was attracting them. And I think that's very consistent with what you're describing is you get into a certain groove as you do with a yeah. musician. I mean, the fun that you have as a musician with an audience, whether everybody's like yapping with each other or standing around and you hit some rhythm and some tune and some tone and that, that somehow begins to attract them. And then, right. they be, then they become, then they imitate what you're doing by moving. And uh, they That's imitate right. it in a kinesthetic mm -hmm. way. 
and then they want to persist at it and don't want us to leave because uh, it's, it's so much fun. And so yeah. the music becomes a wonderful analogy for what we're talking right. about, yeah. that I've always wanted to be a rock and roll star, John, and maybe this is the way I'm being a rock and roll well, star. There, there you go. Let's let's hear it for that. I mean, and, and it goes, a lot of this goes back to things that we have rejected, uh, not to get obscure again, but I will, and that's Plato. Uh, and uh, Neoplatonism it leads you right to Wheeler, it leads you right to a lot of this stuff because we only think of things uh, of cause, you know, as uh, cause and effect, as immediate cause, efficient cause, what we call yeah, it. Yeah, and, yeah. and then, there, you know, but the idea of final cause is dismissed. We don't believe in that anymore. Final cause, adult, is the final cause of a seed. Adult plant is the final cause of a seed. And an attractor, <laughs> it's... And an attractor is the final cause of a set of dynamic activities that oh. will almost always generally lead to that final thing. Oh, that's what, oh, 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 that's so, what an attract that's what so, an attractor is in, in uh, chaos theory. Oh wonderful. Uh so I'm a, I'm an attractor, but the fun thing about the attractor is that uh, as in all life it keeps evolving. So that yeah, sure. mm -hmm. it, it will keep changing. So there's a spiralness yeah. or a resonance thing. Right. But so it's a temporary attraction just like on a dance floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that happens for some period of time but then it evolves into some other sequence right. that also right. has an attractor and this is a teleological argument that you uh that there's another term for attractor that the that we're drawn by what we think of as the future but the attractor could actually be here right now but we haven't seen it yet or we don't recognize it right now the final cause is right here yeah, uh, and the final cause is actually we're 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 headed to it and we're part of it, but we don't know it half, and, most and of the time because we don't we we've now developed a philosophy that doesn't admit to that. Doesn't know? admit to that, and that there is some element of um, my imagination contributing to the the form of the final cause. That human ability to imagine. The future right. influences right. that attractor uh, that right. could be in the future, yeah. but it's it's right now. This becomes uh, a, and, everything and, is now a now kind of thing that you're talking about, John. Yeah, and also you'll and this is part of also readings of the future, and people will see bits and pieces of the future, and then they'll come true. Uh, is that there? There is physically final causes out there that are bringing that are attractors that are bringing you as, as part of that set of attractors to this to whatever that final final thing may be that this may have to do with uh, and and not getting completely out of the blue as is everybody now and that has to do with the time dimensionality does time have more than one dimension is yeah. time like is time like space? In other words, it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and we're and, going I'm, along a, what we're going along a low, sort of a shaky line. Uh, and there's a few articles on my website you can go read. You can see a lot of this, including the dancing thing. If you look at the the, the whole dancing uh, metaphor, uh, it's also why uh, retrograde plant plant why planets go retrograde. Uh, and uh, back and forth in the sky, it's because we're dancing, we're passing by, and 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 we're the, our 
our level of, of, of gravitation swings and sways with it. We come around back again and swings and sways there a little further on and we swing and we sway just like dancers do. Uh, the whole planetary system does that. And it does it at a frequency level that is way lower. You know, we look at that 60 beats per, per, per minute. That's a, that's a rhythm. 60 beats per second, that's a tone. This is 60 beats per century. That's the deep bass of the band. <laughs> well, John, how can our audience uh, see more of you besides uh, the watching this podcast? Astrococktail.com. Astrococktail.com. Yeah, so, look at the look in the article section or the music section or both. He's going both ways. And uh, what, what John is telling us is that uh, we can hear the music of the spheres, which has a bunch of different meanings. Uh, but he's a musician who's an astrologer. So he's he's playing the guitar of uh, the solar system, among other things. So, John, uh, thank you very much for being with me. I mean, you've got a lot of good information. I just need to, like, organize you so I can understand it. And Delighted. I think we've done a pretty good job about uh, doing that today. And I thank you very Fabulous. much for, for being with me. And very much enjoyed it. This psychosphere is our mental atmosphere, like a hologram of cosmic consciousness.